Hey friend, you are listening to the She Lives Purposely podcast with me, Megan Edmonds. If you want to be encouraged and equipped to live purposefully, to live how God calls you to live, then this show is definitely for you. I believe that you have purpose and that your purpose, like mine, is to glorify God, love God, and love other people. Each week, we'll talk about different ways that God has called us to live purposefully, chat about Christian living, answer life and faith questions, and have some powerful conversations with my friends. All right, so let's chat. Hello and welcome or welcome back to the She Lives Purposefully podcast. My name is Megan Edmonds and I am so glad that you are here. Today, we are kind of mixing things up on the podcast. We're going to do kind of like a Devo devotional sort of episode, and I am really excited about it. It's going to be a short one. Um, We're going to be reading through Ephesians chapter 2 verses 11 through 22, and I just hope that you are so encouraged by it. I'm just going to pluck some things out that the Lord has really been speaking to me about. And so, yeah, I'm really stoked for it. So this is going to be different too. I know that I have been talking about how in SLP Plus, if you join SLP Plus, we're going through a Bible reading plan right now. We're going through Ruth and Esther. Esther is actually one of my favorite books in going through it with SLP Plus. I was telling Donnie, my husband, if if you're new here, um, I was telling him just like I think I was reminded how much I love Esther, why it's my favorite. And so with that reading plan, I'm also sharing mini daily devos on our SLP Plus site. And um, so this is I this is different from that. If you would like that, I can link that in the show notes too. But we are going to be in Ephesians. This is not related to that at all. This is something that I went through a few months ago, honestly. And um, I'm excited to share it with you. But I hope that you, friend, are doing well. I am doing well. I don't know if you can see it on YouTube or Spotify, but we are bumping a little bit this week. I shared that on Instagram as well, which I can link to if you want to see it. Um, but we are bumping a little bit with little baby boy inside. And um, yeah, it's just really sweet. It's a really fun time. And I hope, too, that you had a sweet Valentine's Day. And um, yeah, all right, well, let's jump into this today. So I'm going to read Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version. This is my Bible. I am obsessed with it. Um, you can see that too on YouTube or Spotify. Really, I I don't think that the ESV is like better than other versions, you know, necessarily. I just love it so much. I've been reading it, I think, since like Oh my gosh. Hmm. Maybe 15 years. It's been my go-to version. So I I just think it's fantastic. I love this Bible too because it has like the notes on the side that you can like journal along with. Um, and I'm such a big fan of like a soft cover as well. It just kind of helps, you know, really bend, bend with things. This one is by Hosanna Revival. Um, anyway, I really love it. Big fan. And so here we go. Ephesians 2, 11 through 22, the ESV, English Standard Version. It says this, Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. 
But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has been who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Verse 17 and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. And then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in him. You also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Again, that was Ephesians 2 verses 11 through 22. Let's see here. The different things that stuck out to me, I have about, I have my notes here in front of me if you're watching this, but I have about one, two, three, maybe four kind of takeaways that just really stuck out to me as I was going through it. And the first one is in verse 13, and it says this, But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And the big thing really that I took away from that is just that we are brought near. I am not striving to be near. I don't know about you, but for me, I feel like I can so get into this mindset of earning, of striving, God's favor, God's love, a right place with God where I am working for these things. But here it says that I have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And that's something that I know and I believe and but we can so easily get tricked into thinking otherwise that we have to earn these things. But this is grace. It is his action not my action. I am brought near to him. I am not struggling, pushing, kicking to get to him. He has brought me near. How beautiful is that? That grace, it is his action. He brought me near. I am brought near to God. And then something too from verse 14. Let's read that together. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. I love that it says that so much. It says, for he himself is our peace. And I think sometimes it can be easy to follow Jesus because of what we think he might do for us or to rest in him because we think he's going to do things our way or, um, you know, do things how we expect. But so often life does not go how we expect. And then we can kind of get thrown around and feel like, Lord, like, why did you allow this and this to happen? And um, this is not at all what I was expecting. And we can feel like we are losing our sense of peace because the circumstances around us are not what we expected. Even if we have Christ, even if we're depending on him, we can feel like this is not what I was expecting you to do at all. I, How can I not have anxiety? How can I have peace? And I wrote this in my notes. My peace is Jesus himself not what he can do for me because he won't do everything I want or expect, but my peace is 
himself. Why is it him himself? Because in the mountain and in the valley, he is faithful. He is loving. He is kind. He holds all things together. He cares even more than I do. He is with me. He goes before me. He will finish the good work he completed. And ultimately, even now, spiritually, but at the end of life physically, I will be with him. I will be with him safe and secure and in his presence. And so, yeah, this just stuck out to me because I have definitely been in a number of seasons where I feel thrown by life. And, you know, I've talked about on the podcast before how I feel like I don't I don't know about you. I feel like this is a really common thing, but anxiety has just become more common in my own life. And that's something that the Lord and I are really working through together. Praise the Lord. He walks through these things with us, but this is a big thing. And I remember actually talking about something similar in counseling as well, multiple months ago, just talking about how, you know, we can't have peace if we are looking to situations to bring us peace or certainty in life to bring us peace because nothing Nothing is certain. And that can be so scary until we read verses like this. For he himself is our peace. He is sure. He is our rock. He is our foundation. He is everything. He is our peace. And he loves us so much. He cares for us so much. He never forsakes us. And so I I just really, I really loved that verse. Okay, so I also loved... Um, verse 16, and it says this, um, that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And this stuck out to me a lot because I'm, I think just on this episode, I'm revealing all of these like false ideas that can so easily get, you know, stuck into at least in my own brain, in my own heart. But so often I can think, that the Lord is like frustrated with me, annoyed with me, rolling his eyes at me. Like she's asking for this again. She's struggling with this again. I have to help her again kind of thing. And, um, I can't believe, you know, we've been over this a million times. I can't believe that she's, you know, dealing with this yet again and hasn't figured this out. And I, I feel like sometimes I can feel as though that's the Lord's attitude towards me. We don't really find that at all in scripture, but that somehow that's something that has gotten into my heart and my mind. I've talked with a lot of you too, and I'm glad to know that I'm not alone in it, but I'm also sorry that other people can feel the same way sometimes. Um, And so I love this so much because it's just this reminder that there is no more hostility between me and God. Because we've accepted him as Lord and Savior, there is no hostility between me and God. Instead, there is friendship. I am part of his family. I am an heir. I'm going to rule and reign with him. It is a completely different relationship. I am his friend. I am his daughter. There is no hostility. So too, if you need that encouragement today, maybe you're feeling like the Lord must be so fed up with me or any kind of you know, mentality along those lines. There is no hostility between you and God, friend. If you have come to him, if he is your savior and your Lord, that's it. There's no hostility there. He loves you. He loves you even if you have not come to him as your savior and Lord. He has given everything for you. He has loved us even when we were enemies with him, even when we're rejecting him, slandering him, all those things. He loves us so much. But 
too, to say like, if we are his children, if we are his friends, there is no hostility there. So, so, so beautiful. So just kind of jumping off what we just talked about and also incorporating verse 13, which says, you know, was talking about how we have been brought near. I really love verses 18 and 19. So they say this, verse 18, for through him, we have both access. We both have access in one spirit to the father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. How beautiful is that? But I love that. And I'm just going to read what I have in my, in my devos here for you and, and just kind of talk about it from, from basically just what I have written down. Um, so I have this through him, I have access to the father. I have access to God. You friend have access to God. Um, and then this is what I have too, because of him, not because of my own good nature or my own works, which is so convicting to think about. I am not disqualified because I have failed. And because of him, I have access. I am in. And friend, you are in, but I am in. That's what I have here. Not halfway in, not tentatively in. I am in and I can come boldly before God without fear of hostility. I'm going to read that again, talking about you here. So friend, you are in, you are not halfway in with God. You are not tentatively in with God. You are in and you can come boldly before God without fear of hostility. How beautiful is this? How beautiful is just this passage? Um, as a whole. I I think it's so great. Ephesians is so great. Just so powerful altogether. But friends, that is our episode for today. I hope you like this kind of Devo style. Let me know if this is something that you would like to see more of, or if you're like, that was great, but let's keep it, you know, kind of more topical. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I hope that you were encouraged by this. Next, we have our dear Meg segment. Before we jump into that, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. Thank you for being here. Thank you for subscribing. I think in Spotify, we're actually still in the top 50 on the religion chart, which is so incredible. Thank you for sharing, for subscribing, for rating the podcast. Um, And two, if you have not done that yet, I would love if you would subscribe, if you would rate and review whether you're listening on Spotify or if you're listening on Apple Podcasts too, I read every single review that is written and I am so thankful for them. So the best way you can love on the podcast is definitely to subscribe, to rate, review, um, even if if you're on YouTube too, to subscribe in that way too. I'm so thankful for you. Thankful that you are here. And now it is time for Dear Meg. All right. So today's Dear Meg question asks this. Have you read the entire Bible and do you believe that Christians should read the whole Bible cover to cover? If so, how many times should you reread it? My answer to this is kind of, I feel like multi-layered or just layered in general. And I would say, which is not going to be the confident answer maybe you're expecting, but I am pretty sure that I have read the entire Bible. There are a couple of books like Minor Prophet books, not calling the minor, it's just called the Minor Prophet because, yeah, Um, a couple of them that I am not sure if I have read now looking back, but... I remember going through the Old Testament intentionally because I remember it was something before that I had not really like 
read as much. You know, I was more focused on the Old Testament. So I want to say that I have, but now that I'm, you know, being asked this question, I feel like I'm wondering if I totally finished that, which is convicting because the next part of this question is, should Christians read the whole Bible cover to cover? And I actually really think that we should. I think that one, from the perspective of just believing that this is God's word written down for us, that this is a way that he has given us to get to know him and to spend time with him and become more like him, we should be devouring this book. Like we should be reading every nook and cranny, diving in deep and just loving it. And we see that so much in Psalms too, where, you know, the psalmist is saying, I love your law. I love your word. And and we should be so obsessed with it too. So that's one aspect. And I also just think, and I believe this actually for every person who has any faith or religion, if you are going to claim that belief and claim that religion, you can't just claim like a part of it and then make something up for the rest of it or, you know, make your own version of it. You really need to, you know, like see what the whole thing says. Now, I don't think that reading the Bible cover to cover is a prerequisite to, you know, becoming a Christian, to being saved at all. That's not what scripture tells us. Um, But I do think it's important to say like, okay, I'm going to claim that this religion, maybe I am going to be Muslim or I'm just going to be Christian or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to claim Catholicism then I should really know what each of those religions are saying. So I think as Christians, it's really important for us to know this is what the word of God says. This is what my religion says, but really this is what God himself says all throughout. And two, it's convicting. I think I read, I forget where I read this. I think it was on Instagram, but basically in the time that it took for us to watch the Super Bowl, we could have read at least two gospels in the Bible, like Matthew and Mark or Mark and Luke, you know, something like that. Or maybe it was read all the gospels through twice. I forget which one it was, but something like that. Um, And so all that to say is it's not as time consuming as we think it is. You know, it's a big book, but especially if you're a reader, like it's, it's not, it's not like it's an encyclopedia or like 10 encyclopedias or anything like that. God is so cool to make to give us this, have us have access to it, and also make it, you know, like digestible. Like it's not (laughs) um, impossible to read or anything like that. So I think that it's really important to dive in. I don't think that we need to become, what's the word I'm looking for? Legalistic is the word I'm thinking. I don't know if that's the word I mean, but I'm going to say it because I can't think of anything else. Legalistic about how many times we have to to have read it. I just think it's important to really be in God's word. I think that we probably should read through it once, at least, um, if not many, many, many more times and, you know, just be in love with every nook and cranny of his word. But um, I don't, I don't think that there's like a quota or anything like that of how often we need to have been reading the entire book through. Um, I do think it's important to be reading it as much as we can every day. And, you know, that doesn't mean that we are not missing days or things like that, but to be consistently in God's word, I think, I think is important. So I hope that question is helpful. It was a truthful answer. And um, as you know, all my answers are, but it, I feel like it was a um, maybe not an answer you were fully expecting, but I hope that that was helpful friend. Thank you so much for listening to the She Lives Purposely podcast. I hope that it was encouraging for you. Have a fantastic rest of your day. Live for Jesus and live purposefully.